Roosevelt stated that comparison is the thief of joy. But did he go far enough? More on that coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. A warm welcome to you. Kelly here, as usual. We're going to be exploring one slice of the mental side of active living today. Every Friday, I put out a new episode. Sometimes I decode a concept like I did in episode 28 last week. Other times I explore a phenomenon that's important to being more active on a more regular basis, mainly more happily active. And other times I dig down and pull out a mental tip to help you deal with some of the common obstacles that people face, something that you might be facing to move the needle on your motivation. So it's a little easier to get out and get moving next time. And then each month, I also put out an interview with someone who has either a relevant fitness story or an expertise that is applicable to your fitness journey. For example, next week, you'll want to tune in because I've got a terrific interview with two academics who've been researching self-compassion, guilt, and shame and its role in exercising. Their names are Shaylin Strachan and Laura Mead from the University of Manitoba, and we'll be discussing the role of these things in your fitness journey, and I really learned a ton from them, and I know that you will too. And I've got a few other interviews upcoming, and I know you'll like these topics as well. Um, The topics include meditation and the mental side of dealing with injury. So take a moment, if you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform so that you won't miss those interviews when they're published. So those of you who listened to episode 28 know that my dog Bogey required the cone of shame to protect himself from scratching a cut on his face. He rolled with it and that cone is now off and he's doing great. But it turns out it wasn't a cut after all. He actually ran through some bush while we were on an off-leash walk and contacted poison parsnip, which is, I guess, a cousin to poison ivy. The sap he contacted on the poison parsnip burned a little patch on his cheek. For my Canadian listeners, it was about a size of a toonie. For the rest of you, I have no currency conversion at all for you. It's a pretty big spot at any rate. So he'll be the proud owner of a bald spot there, at least for a little while, but he's fine. I have to say he's had his share of adventures, though, over the years. He's seven years old. There's this poison parsnip incident, but he's also been skunked before, porcupined. I mean, stuff happens when you have dogs. And I know that stuff happens. Here's a segue. Look at this. Stuff happens on your fitness journey, too. Maybe it doesn't involve the skunk, but there's setbacks and there's injury. There's unexpected changes that throw everything off balance for you. And unlike a dog does after a tense moment with another dog, it's harder for humans to just shake it off and then focus on the next thing in front of us. But almost magically, one bout of physical activity, even after a drought, even after a rough patch, can get back a lot of that lost momentum, can get us in touch with what we need to to ignite our routine again. So... Try not to dwell too much on these rough patches. If you must dwell, though, follow Emily Dickinson's advice and dwell in possibility instead. The possibility of an amazing exercise experience just around the corner. 
It really is a funny thing how one enjoyable, invigorating workout can turn things around, though. So forgive yourself a little bit here and focus on that. And what about today? Well, I wanted to explore something that can really trigger some of that psychological pain I've been talking about up until this point. It's sort of a a cousin to dwelling, if you ask me. I know you'll be able to relate to it, and I wonder how you'll feel about the question of the week this time around, which is coming up a little bit later on. In episodes past, I've noted how today's fitness culture has been really proficient at making us feel awful about ourselves. It's so good at this that, heck, we're good at doing this on our own now. We're good at making us feel awful about ourselves because we internalize many of its toxicities, so to speak, like the body imagery or the axioms that leave us really dissatisfied with our abilities or often, most most often, how we look. Gatekeeping culture doesn't help. And to learn more about gatekeeping, check out episode 26 because I break that down a little bit more. In the end, though, fitness is a very visual discipline. At least that's how today's fitness culture frames it. To be fit is to look a certain way. And given the popularity of social media, we're exposed to more body imagery now than ever before. You're bound to hit some of this imagery as you scroll on your phone, especially if you're on a platform like Instagram. In terms of the fitness industry as a whole, it really does seem that some fitness professionals believe that their body is their business card, which means really that their credibility as coaches or professionals rests in how they look to others. And I totally get that. It's it's a game that they didn't design, but they're sort of forced to play. This is not a blame thing. But man, we sure can get lured with what's going on with other people's bodies, can't we? And it definitely doesn't help that when anyone resists the gatekeeping of the ideal body or the fit body or what it means to be strong, they can get massively trolled. I know several influencers in the fitness space who've shared very troubling stories about how extolling the virtues of being body positive has dragged out some slimy, awful keyboard warriors slamming them for doing so. It's just awful. My point to all of this is that fitness culture seems to breed comparison, if even by accident in many cases. All the key ingredients seem to be there for this to come forth. And I want to decode this a little bit today, at least give you my take on it when it comes to sustainable physical activity and lifestyle change. Maybe this has all been triggered by some memories of my youth from a recent hometown visit that's uh, triggered all of this reflection. But I thought a lot about how not only do genetics influence what our bodies look like, but our bodies can really change over time and for a variety of reasons. And for a lot of us, it bugs the heck out of us, right? It's so easy to think about what we've lost instead of what remains. You know, my high school body is much different than my body now. My body's got stories, many stories, just as yours probably does. And I know I'll have more stories over the next decade. It's been stressed. It's been broken. I've had sprains. There's been tears. It's been heavier. It's been lighter. It's felt many things, some of them fantastic, some of them not so much. And as I said at the outset of the show, Roosevelt stated that comparison is the thief of joy. You've probably heard that adage before, and while it's true, or I think it's true, I'm much more inclined these days to take it a step further, and I'm going to do that today. I'll do that today by quoting Ianla Van Zandt, 
She said, Comparison is an act of violence against the self. I know that captures comparison much more aptly for many of you. Comparison is the act of violence against the self. And man, that just grabs you, doesn't it? So has watching others or even seeing so-called, and I'm using air quotes here, in-shape people triggered some self-consciousness in you? Do you get flashes of that type of psychological pain? Do you feel lesser than when you bump into someone trimmer or more toned than you? Do you even sort of cheer against someone who's crushing their goals, crushing their fitness goals? It happens. And like I said, these feelings happen a lot online. In some ways, some industry people are literally banking on our insecurities. They want to poke these pain points. So if you're new to that idea, poking the pain, check out episode 22. I'm making a lot of cross-episode references today. But anyway, check out episode 22 as well if you've got the time, poking the pain. Because comparison is so prevalent, I wanted to throw something on the table for you to chew on today, something extra. And it kind of goes down to, or goes back to Van Zant's quote. We master skills and improve through challenge, but not always from winning. I mean, I could go out this weekend and enter a 1K kids race and win it. Well, that might be a little arrogant, actually. I'm not too sure I could win it. I mean, there's some fast kids out there and I'm not super fast. But anyhow, it might not be much of a competition for me. I'd certainly win the comparison game, though, if I were to win the race, even though I presumably destroyed a bunch of six and seven-year-olds. I think personally, that competition is plagued by comparison. And from working in high-performance sport, I've seen it a lot. I've seen it rear its head in a lot of different ways. True competition, though, by definition, inherently makes us stronger. It actually makes us better. Competition has always occurred in nature. It's been there forever. And nature does not give a damn about your ego. It has only cared about whether you adapt to the challenges it presents or the ones that you choose on your own, that you grow from these challenges and you learn from them. And maybe this is why people feel so humbled by nature's power at times. But man, our pesky egos are comparative. <laughs> they're, they're comparative. Even if you have six-pack abs, it seems someone comes along with six-packier abs, I suppose. And just that fact can ruin your day. So why is this? Well, I think comparison is all about those pesky egos. When we're comparative, we can easily weaken ourselves because comparison threatens our self-worth if we don't like what we see, if we don't like what we get from the comparison. It can be, as Van Zant said, a violent mental process. And there's a real difference between competing and comparing in that way. You can feel that, right? You can feel when you are competing versus when you are simply comparing yourself to others. Have you ever competed against someone so well matched that even if you lost, even if you lost out, you still found it to be an awesome experience? The challenge was just right. It brought the best out in you. It brought the best out in your opponent. And maybe you even found yourself, lo and behold, feeling happy for your opponent that they came out on top. 
And no matter the result, you were able to hold yourself up high because of all of it. Under a comparative mindset, though, a loss or an unflattering comparison you make mentally can be almost devastating, though, and very, very demotivating. I know you've scrolled social media and have come across a photo of someone super fit and have had this ugly inner reaction to it all. And maybe it surprised you. Maybe it really knocked you back. And while this is happening, how we talk to ourselves or what we're thinking can change almost in an instant, right? We can feel awful about where we're at in our lives and where we're at on our own personal fitness journeys. Ultimately, comparison is always built on fragile ground and that really makes it an unsustainable practice in terms of your fitness journey. When we're in this headspace, we're, I mean, I think we're primed to hand over our power, whatever power we have, to whatever image we scroll down to next on our phones or who we see in yoga class. It can all be very discouraging. But there's one other thing about comparison I want to add. There's a twist to this comparative mindset that I know will affect a lot of you. And if it hasn't, it might in the future. And it comes through in the question of the day. Have you ever felt triggered about the state of your present self by comparing your present self to your past self? Now, I'm kind of asking this question because my personal exercise history is long enough now. I can see it really clearly. Comparison, which is an egoic activity of putting a chunk of our self-worth on the line, isn't just about what other people look like or what other people are able to do. It's often about what you used to be able to do and what you used to look like. And and depending where you are in life, you're a different person, very likely a different person now than you were 5, 10, 15 years ago, maybe even last year. And for some of you, you might have been way more active in the past. And maybe you were a pretty competitive athlete and those days are sort of long gone. Life changes. So how you looked or what you could do back then might be pretty different than what you can do today. And that's definitely the case for me on many things. And, you know, I'll be honest, it's sometimes and some days, it's a tricky thing to digest. It's a tricky thing to deal with or accept. But while I sometimes ask you to draw upon the past to inform the present and even the future, to pull out the data, as I say, from your earlier fitness experiences, sometimes we don't use our past well. Our past, in effect, uses us. And our past, in effect, triggers us. That's how nasty this comparative game can get. That's how nasty our egos can get with comparison. So if you felt triggered about the state of your present self compared to your past self, then you'll definitely know comparison is a dicey game, no matter how you do it. Whether you're using it outward with other people or against your past self. And even Van Zant, I think, was really alluding to how comparison can feel violent no matter how we deploy it. And I want to say this about comparison today before I leave. Yeah, our bodies change as we age. Our abilities can change. Our weight might change. We can look much different than we did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But there's something that will never change. 
something that's been in you forever, since you've been born. And that's our capacity to enjoy movement, to enjoy challenging ourselves, no matter the state of our bodies. Even to like learning something new if we go out and venture and try new things. That doesn't go away. That is permanent. At some point, we might not be able to set personal bests anymore. That is true. But there will always be something cool waiting for you in the moment-to-moment exercise experiences ahead, whether you're 17 or 71. That you can count on. With that, Thanks for joining me this week. Again, look out for that interview on self-compassion to drop next Friday. Until then, if your podcast app allows it, hit subscribe if you like the show today. And of course, until next time, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.